Ephesians 5, verses 22 and 24. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we do bow the knee before you. We recognize your authority. We recognize your majesty. We rejoice in these truths. And so, Heavenly Father, we bow before you in submission. Even as we turn our attention to a passage like this, we recognize that it is in light of your goodness and the reality of all that you are doing and have done for us in Christ and the power of your spirit that these things are possible. And so Lord, I pray that in this hour you would give us wisdom. That in this hour that you would work in each and every one of our hearts that your name would be honored in all that is said and done. Give me boldness, Lord, to preach the truth without apology, to speak with authority, to speak clearly. The gospel may go forth, that I would not get in the way of your message, that your name would be lifted high. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's playoff time in football. The playoffs have started in the NFL. How many of you, I'm going to ask for a raise of hand here, how many of you are at least somewhat familiar with football? Maybe you don't have a favorite team, but you, you get the general idea of what it is. You know what a football looks like. I want to ask you a question. And this one, don't raise your hand or answer. Just kind of think in your head. What is the most important offensive position in football? If you had to name one right now, what is the most important offensive position in football? Not offensive, offensive. On the offensive side of the ball. What is the most important position in offensive football? It's really a trick question. Because the reality is that every position in football is important. Every single one of them is important. Some of you may have thought quarterback, and that would be a good answer. You need a good quarterback to make good decisions, to distribute the ball effectively. But a good quarterback is nothing without good receivers. So you also need good receivers. Those who are able to, to get open, to catch the ball when it is thrown to them. But that's not enough either. A good quarterback and a, a good receivers are nothing without a good offensive line. These are the, the big men in the middle who give the other positions the time and the space that they need. But even there, 
if they know that you're going to pass every time, the defense can get to you. So you also need a good running back, someone who can keep the, the, the defense on their toes. The reality is there's no answer to that question. Every position on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side, but every position is important. Everyone on the football field is important. Yet no two positions have the same responsibility. And yet everyone is there purposefully. They all have a unique, purposeful job to do. And that does not make one position more important than the other position. In fact, the reality is that when football players focus on their responsibility and they do their job well, they not only allow the other positions to do their job well, but they empower them to thrive, resulting in an effective, thriving, good football team. It's kind of a silly illustration, but I think as we turn our attention to Ephesians 5, 22 to 24 this morning, the Apostle Paul takes this same principle and he applies it to marriage. We would affirm with Scripture that yes, men and women are equal in value. They are both created by the direct act of God. Both created in the image of God. And yet we would also affirm with Scripture that men and women are unique in their roles and responsibilities in marriage. So this morning, as we work our way through this passage, we will see the call to submission, the privilege of headship, and the beauty of godly submission. So join me, if you will, as we marvel together at God's perfect plan and the high calling of submission. The first thing we see as we jump into this passage is the call to submission in Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As we jump into Ephesians 5.22, I think it's important for us here to remember the immediate context that we saw last week in Ephesians 5.15-21. It's a call for Christians to walk in wisdom. How? By being filled with the spirits. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes on in that passage, to give several examples of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Do you remember what they are? It looks like a life of praise. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with, hearts in your, with songs in your heart to, to, the, to each other and to the Lord. But it also looks like thankfulness. Being thankful in all things. And finally, the, the final thing that Paul includes in this, not just a life of praise, not just thankfulness, but submission. Submission. And it's that last one, that submission, that leads into Ephesians 5.22. In fact, as we look at Ephesians 5.22, in our English Bibles we see the words submit. Wives, submit to your own husbands. But the reality is that in the original language, the word submit is not even in Ephesians 5.22. It is borrowed from Ephesians 
In fact, the transition here is so tight that it could be phrased this way. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. I think this tight transition, this connection to verse 21 It's important for us to note as we launch further into this passage this morning. Because the expectations that Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, places on both husbands and wives, not just in this passage, but in the following passages, it is a very, they are very heavy expectations. But we must remember that they come in the context of being filled with the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, understand this, that a healthy marriage begins with faithful, spirit-empowered Christian walk. A healthy marriage begins with a faithful, spirit-empowered Christian walk. It starts by being filled with the Spirit. That's key to understanding. Specifically here in verse 22, Paul calls wives to submit. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We currently find ourselves in a culture that bristles at language like that, a verse, a verse like Ephesians 5.22. In fact, they would likely look no further and they would label this passage misogynistic. And yet I would submit to you this morning that their charge is misguided. It's foolish. In fact, it lacks understanding. Because notice, if you will, that Ephesians 5.22 does not stop with the word submit. Paul does not say, wives, submit, and then move on. It continues. Paul does not leave us here with an open-ended call to submission that's just up to interpretation for each one of us to, in our own minds, work out what this means. Rather, he goes on to tell us exactly what he means. Who is to submit in this passage? Wives submit. But to whom are they to submit? Because Paul doesn't stop there. He moves on and he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. In fact, you'll note at verse 24, the end of this passage, He says this very same thing again. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Twice in these three verses, Paul highlights that. To your own husbands. It's a very important clarification. Because it takes this passage out of the realm of value. Paul is not, this is not a statement on the value of women. Rather, this is a specific statement on roles in marriage. In reality, this is a statement that affirms the value and the dignity of women. We have to back up and put ourselves in the the cultural context in which Paul is first saying this, in which he is writing this. It's a context in which women had no rights. 
in which men were truly viewed as superior to women. In fact, it would have been expected that in most cases, all women, all women would submit to all men. And yet note that Paul here places submission solely in the realm of marriage. A wife submitting to her own husband alone. This is not a forced submission based on perceived value. This is a willing submission that is based on roles according to God's good plan. This is a submission that recognizes that this is God's word. This is God's plan. In fact, that last part is key there. That I said, It is a willing submission based on roles according to God's plan. According to God's plan. This is exactly what Paul says next. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. It's of vital importance that we understand what Paul is saying here and what Paul is not saying. You see, a lot of damage has been done by those who would look at this verse and they would say, Wives, you need to submit to your husband in the same way that you submit to God himself. That is a complete misunderstanding of what this verse is saying. Paul is not saying that a wife should submit to her husband in the same way that she would submit to the Lord. In fact, that would be a dangerous, in fact, a foolish statement. A statement like that would raise the authority of her human, fallible husband to a place that it does not belong. No man deserves your submission to the same level that you would submit to the Lord. Ever. Rather than a foolish call to total surrender of your own will to the will of your husband without reserve. This phrase must be understood in the context of Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another. Why? Because that person deserves it? Because they have earned it? No, because I fear God. As to the Lord in Ephesians 5.22, builds on the foundation of in the fear of God in Ephesians 5.21. Wives, because your submission is grounded in faith, responding to who God is, therefore your submission to your husband is really an act of submission to God. You are submitting to your husband because you are submitted to God. As you submit to God, you are submitting to your husband. It's important to understand. Your spirit-empowered submission to your husband testifies to your faith in God. Have you ever thought about that? That as you submit to your husband... In the role that God has called you to, you, it's, it's a testimony to your faith in God. When understood rightly, this often maligned passage is not a weight on women that, content, that condemns you to servitude. 
a slave to the whims of your husband. Instead, this passage lifts the obligation of the wife to the highest place possible. An obedient act of worship. Your submission is a testimony to who you are in Christ. It is a call to walk in wisdom in submission to the Lord, as evidenced by your submission to your husband. So who is to submit? Wives are to submit. They're to submit to their own husbands, and they are to submit as they are submitting to the Lord. The next thing we see in verse 23 is the privilege of headship. Note that first word, for. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is, save, and is himself its savior. The wife submits to her husband because she recognizes God's authority and embraces the role that he has called her to, as we just saw. In faith. And yet, what this passage goes on to tell us is that in doing so, she is also recognizing the role that the Lord has called her husband to. In submission to your husband, you you recognize the role that God has called you to. But you also recognize that, that God's not just called you to something. He's also called my husband to something. For the husband is head of the wife. But what is this idea of headship? What is Paul talking about? We don't even have to leave the book of Ephesians to see this because Paul has already used this word twice in the book of Ephesians. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians 1.22. The first use of this idea of head. This beautiful passage, this this sentence, this long sentence here in Ephesians 1. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet, that's Christ, gave him as head over all things to the church. The language of headship there speaks to Christ's preeminence as Lord. He is the one who has all authority. We also see it used in Ephesians 4.15. I invite you to turn over there. Again, a reference here to Christ. Ephesians 4.15, which says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are growing up into him, the one who has all authority. One whom we are striving after. Under his rule. It's the idea of what we think of modern day as as the, the head of government. The one who rules, who leads. Quite frankly, boiled all the way down, headship speaks to Authority. We come back to our passage for this morning in Ephesians 5. Headship speaks to authority.
recognize this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You're submitting, recognizing that God has called you to this as you submit to him. Also recognizing, for the husband is head of the wife. The wife must submit in obedience to Christ because her husband has been called to lead. Wives, recognize your responsibility implied in this passage. You are called to submit as to the Lord in submission to him, recognizing that your husband has also been called. He's been called to headship. In fact, I would submit to you that this passage is implying this morning that your willing submission to your own husband in the Lord empowers him to fulfill his role as head. Your willing submission to your husband in the Lord empowers your husband to fulfill his role as head. We don't often think of of the role of submission as empowering anything. But that's what this passage teaches. You are submitting, not just recognizing that God has called you to this, but also recognizing for the husband is head of the wife. Also recognizing that God has called him to this. In fact, I would challenge you. Wives, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells here. Without excusing your husband's failures. But maybe part of the problem is that you have failed to submit. To help us think through this, I think an illustration. Police are under constant scrutiny. Almost every interaction they have seems to be filled and and sorted through with a fine tooth comb looking for any misstep whatsoever. In fact, one of the criticisms that you will often see is that a responding officer failed to take control of the scene. And yet whenever I watch those videos, my first thought is, in the majority of cases, he never had a chance to get control of that scene. Because no one was willing or able to listen. No one was calm and and sitting down and listening to what the officer was saying. In fact, when the officer finally does impose their will and they get control of the scene, then they're criticized for too much force. But my point in that is this. It is hard to take control peacefully, to lead in a situation when control is not offered. The reality is that willing submission empowers bold headship. Willing submission empowers bold headship. Wives, as you submit, it's as if you are asking your husband to lead you. You are putting him in a position saying, I am willing to follow. Are you giving him that chance? See the reality of headship here, but but also look at the example of headship given in the second part of verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. 
All right, so I've already kind of pushed on the women a little bit. Now it's your turn, men. The privilege of headship comes with the burden of responsibility. The privilege of headship comes with the burden of responsibility. Husbands, it must not be lost on you that your headship is a model of Christ's headship over the church. In fact, let's take a second. Let's look at a couple of New Testament passages to glimpse what Christ's headship over the church, his responsibility for the church, his leadership of the church, what does that look like? And I want to start back in Matthew 16, verses 15 to 18. Where the Lord is standing with his disciples and and he said to them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice, if you will, in this passage that Peter's recognition of Jesus' identity, his confession of Jesus' authority as Lord, it leads to this well-known promise for the church, that because Jesus is head of the church, the church will triumph. The gates of hell will not prevail against this church, not because Peter and the apostles just do such a great job, but because Christ is Lord, and this is his church. The the headship of Christ leads to the triumph of the church. Another passage, Matthew 28, 18-20. Well-known passage, the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Again, there's that, there's that word we've been dealing with, authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Again, in this passage, notice that it is the authority that Jesus has in which the church goes forth and triumphs. Jesus' authority as head of the church produces success in the church as the gospel goes out in power, reaching to the ends of the earth. Another passage right here in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 19-21 passage we touched on even in Sunday school this morning. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Note there that Christ, his role here is as cornerstone. It's the same idea as headship. He is the one whom every other stone in this building is oriented. He is the one who has authority. He is the one who gives power. 
He is the one, the reason why the structure grows and thrives. In fact, over and over and over again, we see the same truth that the triumph of the church is tied to the triumph of her head, to his faithfulness. So husbands, do not miss this. Yes, your wife is responsible to submit to you, but it is you who will answer before the Lord for the success or the failure of your marriage. Not her. It's you. You and you alone are responsible. It is your headship that produces a healthy marriage. It is your headship that must empower those who are under your authority to thrive in their God-given roles. Yes, as we see in this passage, the wife has a high calling to submission, but husbands, do not miss this, that you too have a high calling to headship. And the responsibility rests on you. In fact, look at the end of this verse. As also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. As head, as the one who has all authority, he did not have someone else come and save the body. It is he himself who was responsible. It is he himself who stepped up. It is he himself who took on flesh. He himself who submitted himself to death, even death on the cross. Biblical headship is not selfish, it is sacrificial. It is a willingness to give everything for the good of those under your authority. It is a willingness to step up and take responsibility. Husbands, do not waste your authority on yourself. Use it to lead your family to thrive. Empower them to grow. Allow them to thrive in the roles that God has called them to. So we've seen the call to submission. We've seen the privilege of headship. The responsibility of headship, if you will. And finally, we see the beauty of submission. The beauty of biblical submission. Paul returns that same idea here in verse 24 that he started with in verse 22. Yes, the husband his head. So now, as the church submits to Christ, right? So just this is kind of the opposite of what he said in verse 22. As Christ is head of the church, so the husband's head of the wife, now switched. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Submit in kind. In the same way going back to even verse 22, as to the Lord, as you are doing this, you are doing this in submission to God, recognizing the call, the role that he has called you to, and the role that he has called your husband to. In fact, the reality is that in this passage, the Apostle Paul adds eternal weight to submission. Not only does your 
submission to your husband, testify to your faith in God's good plan, but it also pictures the church's joyful, gospel-fueled submission to Christ as her head. As the church fully submits to Christ, so you must submit to your husband under the authority of Christ, supporting and empowering him to lead as head. Note the exchange there. Your husband as head must empower you to submit well. And yet as this passage goes on to teach, in the same way, you as the one submitting must empower your husband to lead well. You are both filling a role. You are both allowing each other to thrive in the role that God has called them to. Just like in football. The offensive line blocks, giving the receivers time to get open, giving the running back the room that he needs, giving the quarterback time to throw. And yet, at the same time, the quarterback doesn't stand back there and just hold on to the ball for as long as he can. He's trying to get it out quick. Why? Because he also recognizes that, that I need to do this so that I can equip my offensive line so I can keep them from getting worn out. I want to help them do their job well by staying in the pocket and getting rid of the ball quickly. Both of them empowering the other. That's the picture here that we see of marriage. Husbands and wives empowering each other to fulfill the roles that God has called them to. One final word. Here in verse 24, there's almost a shocking thing that Paul adds here. Let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That's kind of shocking. In everything. In fact, it takes you, takes you back almost to verse 20. The shocking nature of verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things. Right? He's, he's, how, how can I give thanks for all things? That is shocking. That, that's almost impossible. How can I do that? It's the same idea here. Submit in all things. And I don't want to downplay the difficulty of this. This is a call to radical submission. Why? You're not responsible for the leadership or the lack thereof of your husband as head. Yes, you can encourage him through your submission to lead, but it is he who must step up. At the same time, you are responsible for your own God-given role as wife to submit, regardless of how well your husband leaves, leads. You are responsible. You're not responsible for your husband's actions. You're responsible for your own. And I want to give some some context to that statement. Because understood rightly, that could cause damage. 
And I think the context is found generally in the book of Ephesians. The call to submit to your husbands in everything does not negate everything that Paul has said prior to this. Say in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as dear children walking in love. There's an expectation on Christian husbands that they will be doing this well. There's a context to all of this. There's an expectation that this is a Christian husband and a Christian wife that they are walking together. That's important context. And yet Paul's words here are very difficult to wrestle through in everything. Let that be your attitude in everything. Your submission is spirit-empowered. It's an act of faith. And so the question this morning is, do you trust the Lord enough to submit? The countercultural nature of biblical submission beautifully proclaims the life-changing power of the gospel. This is God's doing. This is God's plan. And it is good. So in conclusion, wife, submit to your own husband out of fear of the Lord. Submit in him because you believe that God's will and way is best. Submit, encouraging and empowering your husband to lead as the Lord has called him to. At the same time, husbands, Understand the weight that is put on you, the calling that you lead your wife and your family well. Understand that it is your responsibility. Your family is your responsibility, fathers, husbands. Empower those who are under your authority to thrive in their God-given roles. Love them well, even as we will see as we move on uh, in the coming weeks, as Paul turns his attention to husbands. Lead them well in the Lord. Because you are called to headship. Understand the weight of that.